Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired by a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with musician Daniel Smith and director Chris White about the Christian heavy metal comedy Electric Jesus. The new film from director Chris White, Electric Jesus, tells the story of an 80s Christian heavy metal man, 316, and their struggles, trials, and travails trying to make it in a world in which Christians fear metal and metalheads aren't exactly fond of Christians. It's a heartfelt, really truly honest movie that finds new angles in following a struggling band on their first ever tour, with fantastic performances both in the acting and the music which makes up so much of the film. It helps that the music of Electric Jesus was written by Daniel Smith of indie rockers Danielson and sounds just like it could be found in the bins next to Striper, Baron Cross, and Holy Soldier's output. The songs will lodge themselves in your brain pretty readily, and I've definitely added one or two to some recent playlists. I spoke with director White and composer Smith about the making of Electric Jesus' soundtrack, the film itself, and more. A note, this Q&A sounds weird because Zoom was being a total pain in the ass and I had to scramble to record my side of the audio. Hey, uh, I appreciate you both taking the time to talk to me today um, uh, about Electric Jesus. Uh, if you could both introduce yourselves uh, for the sake of the folks listening at home. Uh, my name is Chris White. I'm the screenwriter and director for Electric Jesus. And I'm Daniel Smith, and I'm the composer and uh, 
co-songwriter with Chris White for the song um, for Electric Jesus. What is interesting, and I just discovered this earlier this morning, uh, and I think it's very applicable to our discussion, so I figured we, I'd start out with it. We are talking on the 30th anniversary of Amy Grant's Heart in Motion, which was her big crossover success, which uh, seems to tie in very nicely with the themes of the movie. Um, because that was like that was sort of her big thing, and she does get a bit of a mention in the film as well as an appearance. So um, I, I'm I'm curious as to um, Chris, like what your history with Christian rock is, uh, as as well as yours, Daniel. But I, I think folks might be a little more familiar with Daniel's than Chris's. Well, you know, uh, writing Electric Jesus, I, I, my, my goal was to write a coming-of-age rock and roll movie, and there's so many of those, and I love just about every single film that would be called that. I love the films. I love the scores. I love the songs. It's just one of my favorite kind of movies, so I wanted to make one. And the only kind of uh, rock band movie I don't think had ever been made, I, I'm not aware of it if it had been, was one about Christian rock, and specifically... Christian hair metal. Now, I grew up in the 80s, and I was a, um, you know, a kid in a Christian youth group, a Southern Baptist youth group in the deep south during, uh, you know, 84, 85, 86, like really the heyday of what, uh, or, or the, <laughs> the blossoming of Christian hair metal was when I was, you know, right in the thick of it. So, I did, you know, I didn't, I wasn't exclusively only listening to Christian music, but I listened to a lot of Christian music, uh, hair metal and otherwise. And it was, it was just kind of, it was just part of the youth culture that I grew up in um, that was, you know, built around uh, my church experience and my friends at church. So I, you know, I bought Christian records and tapes and I went to Christian concerts. And uh, so I, I came in contact with a lot of Christian music. We losing? Oh, no, we're back. Okay. <laughs> Still there. Um, well, like the, the, the whole thing about the film is that it's, it's very forthright and honest, which is what I really, uh, what appealed to me is that it looks at everything with clear eyes. Um, as a, I mean, it's very heartfelt and it's a very warm and, and it's not like a condemnation of anything. Uh, but like it definitely portrays these, uh, it's an unfiltered portrayal, I think. And it reminded me a lot of the folks with whom I grew up with in a small Kansas town. And, uh, I, I was wondering like how many of these sort of, not necessarily the band interactions, but like the, the interactions just between people are drawn from personal experience. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so much of it, Nick, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it was heartfelt in the writing, but the thing maybe that my heart most felt was, um, just, just letting the characters be themselves and talk and do the things they would do and not try to, not try to filter them or fix them. Um, you know, a lot of times adolescents in movies, you know, that are written by 40, 50 year old adults talk like 
40 or 50 year old adults. <laughs> One of the magic, magic things about a uh, coming of age movie is as adults, we can go back and fix everything that we got wrong. You know, we can be a lot cooler. We can be a lot smoother. We can uh, maybe be a lot more, uh, you know, the way we wish things were set the record straight, so to speak. And I, I had no intention to set the record straight. I just, I wanted to hear people walk around and talk like, uh, I remember people talking in that time, and it does require, it certainly required a turning off um, some judgment or, or allowing it to get cringy, you know, allowing it to be like, yeah. oh, gosh, I do think we said things like that. <laughs> and, and again, it, I don't think anything's, you know, it wasn't, you know, too, too awful. But, yeah, there's some times even when I watch the movie where I'm like, oh. I'm sorry I wrote that, <laughs> but it's but it it, it 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 goes to the heart of the movie and what the movie's trying to do, which is um, is is really about an adult remembering growing up and maybe looking at it not through the lens of nostalgia, but uh, finding something else there, and and that's what we're trying to do. And of course, Daniel, uh, which he can speak to his music, but his music was a natural lead-in for me to having that conversation and creating that world. That's sort of the thing I really like, Daniel, is that not only are you doing the score for the film, but you're also um, doing the music for um, the myriad um, bands that appear in it, um, which I think allows it to have some sort of a, a little bit more cohesion than it might have otherwise. Um, did, were you like when you were writing the score, like thinking of the music of 316 or um, Black Mass or, or, or things like that as well? well it actually, it's, it started the other way around. So it, it started with, oh, yeah. with uh, 316 songs. And that, that's really, so this was built, this whole kind of musical world was built from from the three 316 songs Barabbas Commando for Christ and, and Girl I love Jesus too so and, and it came out of conversations with Chris and when his lyrics because he wrote all the lyrics <clears throat> and so and and so that was kind of uh, the way I was thinking about it was he's creating these characters in the movie but also these bands are characters and so let's talk about who who are the kids in 316 and, and how would they uh, I mean since Chris wrote the lyrics, he already was uh, speaking for them, you know, at least the, the, the songwriter, or the lyricist. And, and, but what do they sound like? What are their, uh, are, are they for real? Are they serious? Yes, they're serious. Are they trying to do the best they can? Yes. Is it going to be good? Let's make it good, even though it probably wasn't. <laughs> now, I, I have to imagine, um, in, Daniel, in, in your going through the music scene over, over the decades, like you have, you have heard a lot of bands that maybe sounded like this. Were you drawing from, were you, were you trying to draw from like the, I guess, less professional bands you had heard rather than simply going for like a straightforward, like a uh, striper knockoff Well, for 316? We were going for writing great songs and, and that the lyrics were the abs absurd and let's make the music, uh, let, wouldn't it be funny if th these kids stumbled over some, some, 
some great melodies. And so the way the, 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 my process was, uh, I mean, it was a little different than my usual process in the sense that there was kind of an assignment here to a specific period of time and, and, and some, you know, stylistic uh, uh, sounds that we want to, you know, the electric guitar sounds, the, the, the double kick drum on the, you know, big drum fills, uh, screeching falsetto vocals uh, with vibrato <laughs> and, you know, lots of reverb on the tom. So there, so those were the elements that, that were kind of put on, uh, on these songs to kind of disguise them. I, I wasn't really trying to, uh, imitate it. I, I it did, didn't seem interesting to just make a complete rip off of of you know a couple hits that already existed. Uh, so it was very much just like I was just kind of writing Danielson songs in terms of like oh I really <laughs> like this. Although again it was it wasn't quite that because usually I have no rules for myself. In this sense, there were some structural rules. Like here's some chord progressions that I have heard in some metal songs from the 80s like because i did immerse myself in that music for a good two months to begin with before i even thought about writing any music at all and it was all within that the you know 84 to 87 and it was christian music it was uh just all all types of metal and just kind of having fun listening to that and you know i went actually went to a local uh record shop and bought i don't know probably 40 metal CDs for a dollar a piece and just, you know, and then, and, and found a lot of stuff online and just, just having fun immersing my, my, it mostly research for me now at this age. I mean, when I was 12, I was listening to that music. So to listen to it now, what is, what strikes me is interesting still and not very much, but what there was, I kind of ripped it, you know, kind of would just at least take some, some chord progressions and, and as a starting point. Now, uh, Chris, because you wrote the lyrics and I, there's, there's the scene in, in the film, like where Eric is being, uh, sort of interviewed for his position by 316 and they ask him like what he's listening to. And it's this insane, litany of bands where i was like oh like i've done my research like i've done some writing on like christian independent music over the years like i've read you know um body piercing saved my life and, and, and things like that like so like i know what's going on and i was just like i don't i I, I am a dilettante in this world. So, um, what was, what was, what, like, how much of this was research for you and how much of this was just like going back to your youth? Well, early on in the process, after Daniel was signed to work on the, the music, you, you know, a, a, a movie like this will have a, a music supervisor for the various, you know, needle drop songs, like songs from the past that we play in the background. So, and so we had a fantastic music supervisor who was an experienced music supervisor, but he also became a Christian music consultant. His name is John. <laughs> and so I, I thought, you know, and, and the funny thing is when I was writing the screenplay, my primary resource for research was this book I found called Raised by Wolves. And then that turns out that book was written by John Thompson. Like when I reached out to him about doing this, it suddenly clicked and said, oh my gosh, I think you're the guy that wrote the book that I used as a reference. So he was incredible resource. I thought 
I knew Christian rock in that era. Um, I did not. I mean, like John's knowledge is very deep and he knows all those artists who are still living. He, he knows in some way. So when it came time for that scene, which was a, it wasn't an improv. I mean, the actor, Andrew Eckel memorized 66 Christian bands, <laughs> one for every book of the Bible. <laughs> when it came time for that, it was an idea that had come up a few days before he shot it. And so I went to John, who happened to be on set, and I said, can you give me, you know, 66 bands that Eric would listen to? And he did a beautiful job of writing that. And then the actor, uh, after he uh, caught his breath, uh, went to work and memorized it and pronounced all the names right. And to a band, to an artist, they're all real. And they all, uh, you know, some of them I looked up, you know, later when I was in the edit. I was like, what was what is concrete rubber band? Is that, (laughs) that's a funny name for a band. It's a pretty good band name, but then looking into that and, you know, I discovered so many bands uh, and history of kind of Jesus rock and seventies, eighties actually found some really cool bands from John's list. Um, So, so yeah, that was, but, but my, my knowledge was okay. I could probably win in Christian rock trivia (laughs) <laughs> I could probably maybe get 80% of the questions right, uh, at least in that era. But John Thompson, you know, he's he's the trivia master. He knows everything. The discussion that happens about, like, whether U2 is a Christian band or not, like, that made me flash back to middle school so hard. I'm like, oh, I've I've heard this. Con- I've, I've been present for this exact conversation and like i know like so many christian bands like especially like in the late 80s early 90s would cover u2 songs because they are they are you know like on the cusp and you can interpret them one way or the other and if you put them in a certain context Mm -hmm. it it definitely works in like a praise environment i think uh, the rule with u2 songs is if it sounds like bono is singing about god He's actually singing about sex. <laughs> sounds like he's singing about sex. He's singing about God. Fair point. I, I think just means it's interchangeable in the YouTube canon. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to ask, like, in terms of, like, getting everybody on screen able to, you know, perform these songs with, like, a, a sense of realism like i know movies like josie and the pussycats like you know um rachel lee cook and rosario dawson and and tara reed like all basically were essentially playing but not turned on like you know uh like that so like was it that realistic or was there just like okay we're gonna like just make sure your hands are in the right enough places that it's passable well when when you make a movie you know we we all start out with the grandest of intentions and there were two films that were really <laughs> guiding really guiding my take on the band the the biggest one was probably that thing you do which mm. has incredible lore with that movie tom hanks had just come off of winning an oscar and spent his i don't know if he spent his own money but he cashed in his clout to make this movie that at the time was a bit of a box office flop, but then went on and video stores become very popular. But he created, you know, he wanted that band to play. So he cast his actors and they spent a month just going to band camp and learning to play. And of course, 
that would be my dream. Uh, it didn't quite happen that way. You know, I had two members of that band that could play uh, Wyatt Lenhart, who's the singer and lead and uh, uh, rhythm guitarist for the band. He can actually play and he really is singing. And then the uh, Caleb Hoffman, who played drums, he had played drums in an actual like a worship band in high school and college. And, and so he but the other guys are just good actors and um, they had to learn to put their fingers in the right place. The other guiding music movie for me, rock and roll movie, is The Commitments. Mm. Uh, that's probably my favorite rock and roll movie. I love that. Um, and in that movie, uh, they had actually, you know, they had singing live on the day. So the guy singing is actually, they're recording it. And so I, I wanted to do that too. It did work out with uh, the uh, young woman who plays Sarah, Shannon Hutchinson, her song, she did sing live on the day. And that's really what you see in the movie. But the kind of singing that's required of Wyatt, who's an amazing vocalist and you know, <laughs> all those tracks were done in the studio. That's hard to do, you know, on take five, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I don't know that he can sing that anymore today. Um, so we tried and we, we, we mixed some of the live vocals, but I think, you know, when you hear Shannon sing in the movie, you're he hearing it live for sure recorded on the day and why it's more of a blend. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you start out any project, a music project, a book, pro you know, whatever your, whatever your creative endeavor is, you want it to be, you know, the dream, you want it to be everything you could ever hope for it to be. And then you get into the practical realities of making a movie. And sometimes it's like, you know, this is not going to be practical to have Wyatt sing, you know, that high, that long, that intense, uh, on a movie set all day. That was actually one of the questions I had written down is, uh, because Shannon Hutchison's voice is, is just, it's amazing. And I was like, is that her? And because the, like, I mean, the, the songs she sings solo are amazing, but like that performance of this world is not my home is just like, like it kicked my butt. Like I like that was that was like I was watching and I was like oh like she's really good and then when they kicked in electric I was just like oh well I'm I like the fact that it's it's also kind of a different style for the band it's like yeah. it's a very it's a very cowpunky kind of song yes. Yes. um for sure for sure and it's and it's also the moment in the movie it's a turning point in the movie where. Uh, it starts to become clear to us that maybe this movie is not about this band. It's about this girl. Um, you know, we're, we're, I'm doing a lot in the movie to turn the, the rock band muse idea on its head a little bit. And so, you know, normally in rock band movies, there's a girl and she's the fulfillment of every boy's wish and <laughs> artistic desire. Um, but in this movie, the guy telling us the story is starting to realize something like you know maybe this wasn't about my band maybe it was you know sarah's uh, origin story which it is and in that moment i think is when we get really wobbly on who the protagonist is now um and so she really had to come out of the gates and you know knock it out of the park and, and she she really did uh, i can still remember shooting that day and she was just she was just wonderful yeah. So, uh, Daniel, like, were you on uh, set for for any any of the uh, actual production? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, most of those scenes, I was there, uh, kind of coaching, uh, uh, 
beforehand coaching that you know where, where to put your hand on the guitar and, <laughs> and bass and and making sure that the uh hopefully the amps are plugged in and turned on and uh and then for the actual uh, uh, the actual takes. I was to the side with my laptop, with a microphone hooked up to the microphone uh, for for Wyatt in the cases of the three sixteen songs, and uh, for this world is not my home. Uh, that you know that was Shannon was singing into that mic that I had modified. It was a beat up SM fifty eight that I had the guts modified so it records really well, like a SM seven. And uh, yeah, I was to the side, you know pressing playback to the to the PA and and recording live the vocal. That's so cool. Like that's such a a, a different approach to doing That was Chris's so, crazy idea, by the way. Uh, it fun funny enough It uh, sounds amazing inspired by uh, the commitments and uh, it was uh, U2's touring guy that figured that out for um for the team that did the commitments. Uh, I'm I'm for, forgetting that guy's name maybe i can't remember the guy's name but he was he was a guy that toured with you too and he he figured out how to do playback and record sound and get it taped you know recorded to tape um on the day and so that's what we were trying to do and you know we we, we had some success doing it and I, and I think too i wonder too uh just thinking about this now even even though only a percentage of why it's you know vocal takes from that day kind of worked and mo most of it didn't because it is so intense and he's acting at the same time. He's trying yeah. to very difficult parts, but still when he was acting, he knew he was being recorded. Yeah. So I still wonder, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that contributed. It, it had to have, you know? Yeah. The, the soundtrack is, is, is already out and streaming. I have it up on Spotify and I'm, looking at it right now um but it, it's coming out as like this really nice double vinyl lp from joyful noise um was that always your your hope to be able to like have like a soundtrack so people could l listen to these songs separate from the film i you know i i guess there was a dream that there'd be uh, music that comes out with a movie um soundtrack products are not famous for making money <laughs> movies um especially a little indie like us in fact one of the reasons why we wanted the music to come out before the movie is because we we'd hoped that maybe the music would attract and draw people into the world of electric jesus just just as a way to get people to know our little tiny movie that i don't you know unless you are on the film festival circuit right now you probably never heard of um but but that's Daniel. I mean, Daniel's a recording artist uh, who's with a record label, and he—I I don't know. I, I, why did you? This is a question for Daniel. <laughs> why did you? What made you think? Hey, let's play Commando for Christ for um, Joyful Noise. They're, they might put it out on a record. <laughs> I don't know, but that's how it started. I mean, I played Commando for Carl, and he's like, "What is this?" And uh, you know that that the first release was was just the seven inch, right? Commando yeah. uh, with, with uh, I believe Girl was on the B side. Yeah, Girl and uh, oh, limited run, Commando and Girl. Yeah, so like a, what was it? Like a couple hundred copies of a seven inch. And uh, at first, it was released. Uh, we we were pretending that it was a lost archive of this real band. Yeah. We thought that would <laughs> be funny. So that's how that started. Was I don't know, not a year ago, but maybe close to it. Um, and just kind of 
yeah. have have that out there and just see kind of what happens. And then you made the music video for that. Still kind of playing, like still winking in that direction. And it was fun to see people comment on the YouTube <laughs> on YouTube about the video, saying, "I think I remember these guys." And <laughs> <laughs> we were just having fun for a while. And then just the way this whole project's come about you know, Chris and I just try to make each other laugh. And, 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 if, and if, if we're both laughing, then we just have to do whatever it is. And yeah. now there's a 21 track soundtrack with more songs than even appear in the movie. Well, that was, that was, that was one of the questions I was going to ask was just like, there's this, like, I'm just like, I don't remember hearing some of these songs. Like I, like, I don't remember Satan's clutch actually like, seeing them in the film for like, like, I mean, we get like a, a good glimpse at black mass, but like Satan's clutch is like, gets mentioned and okay. then they're just kind of in the background. You heard, you heard them backstage when all, and everything was yeah on the toilet. Oh yeah. yeah. The background that rumble is, <laughs> is 10 minutes of Satan's clutch. All hail hell. Yeah. We, we, we thought it would be even more terrifying to just hear them. You let the let the viewer imagine what that band must look like, and we do see the band is actually called Bloody Mass, and um, they're the band we do see play in the club, and that song is is of course on the record. Um, Daniel uh, actually plays the lead singer for Bloody Mass in the movie. He doesn't sing that vocal, but he does play. That's his, <laughs> as far as I know, his acting Steve debut. Foss. Stig Foss, yes, that's my acting debut. Now, like. That that is such a note perfect like band that obviously like listened to a lot of Venom and uh like King Diamond slash Merciful Fate, um like that just like all of the band costumes and uh like everything it just seems like so much fun to get this period correct, um. Like in, in in terms of like putting that all together, Chris, and wearing it, Daniel. Like, what was that like? We we wanted it to be true, just almost like documentary, realistic '80s, not like cartoon '80s or the Wedding Singer '80s or even Stranger Things '80s, where everything is so on the nose and everybody's working on Rubik's cube and listening to Michael <laughs> Jackson all the time. So we wanted it to be like real, lived in day-to-day 80s and some of that was just an aesthetic choice but some of it was also practical it was cheaper to do it that way but when it came to the band where our um our customer beverly safir who's fantastic and had done a bunch of music videos and designed clothes for bands and performers in the 70s and 80s she she just went to town she knew exactly what to do and and just fearlessly would come in and say hey how about this for bloody mass? And it would just be like, Oh my God, where, where did you find chains and leather? And you sewed it into a costume. And she's like, yeah, yeah. They're going to be shirtless. You know, like it will put makeup on them. You know, like uh, she really uh, knew the, knew the world and did her research and her team was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, after she <laughs> showed me my cob piece that I had to wear, <laughs> and chains and put all that stuff on and then she she covered me in dirt 
I, I guess my, my, my last question here, uh, is like you were talking about like the idea of this being like a very lived in sort of situation. And like the thing that jumped to my mind is the scene at the pool where you just hear Kiri by Mr. Mister yeah. play, playing in the background. And like that, I was just like, Oh, like my, my least favorite thing regarding movies is like where they play songs that are very obvious. Um, like the, as, as you sort of alluded to earlier, like the stranger things situation where they're always listening to like Michael Jackson or like on the nose things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like not, not, not a big hit, but like, like a, you know, top 10, top 20 hit, like that's what really sets the mood and tone for a film. And I, I just wanted to say, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And that's also a song that was okay on the, you know, on the Christian camp bus, you know, um, I don't, I, there, there was at least some speculation or something in the air that Mr. Mr. Somebody in Mr. Mr. Was a Christian, or there was something about Kyrie being something prayer like or, um, so that's another reason why we chose that song because, uh, you know, they're in a world, there's the band starting to get out of the Christian world and into the more, uh, what we would call secular world or the real world of rock and roll. And so that song becomes almost a gateway drug leading them forward. Uh, well, it works really well. Um, well, so the soundtrack is coming out on vinyl in June. Uh, it's out digitally now. Uh, do you, do you happen to know when folks might be able to more readily view the film? Well, the, it, it's kind of good and bad about the COVID year and film festivals. Most festivals are virtual. Mm -hmm. So if people go to electricjesusfilm.com and you, you can follow our festival trail, most of them, you can see the film for 10 bucks. You know, you can get on the festival site and buy a ticket and see it. And sometimes, you know, participate in a Q and A with us after. Um, but we're very close to announcing a release date and schedule for the movie. It will be out in 2021 uh, sooner rather than later, but we just can't, uh, say exactly when, um, but um, and the reason why the the record is delayed is also COVID related. It's just manufacturing. Oh yeah, uh, it's just taking longer to make vinyl records right now. And uh, we we pushed, but then we got delayed again. So um, they're not shipping and won't be in record stores until the summer. But you know that's probably you know that's probably around the same time you'll see the movie out in the world everywhere, and that's when people can see the movie. Well, that's wonderful. Chris, Daniel, thank you both for taking time to talk to me today. Thank you for dealing with the various technical difficulties. Um, this has been, uh, really fun and thank you, uh, for both the chat and, and, and the film itself and the music. Like it, it was, it was a real fun, like it, it, it was a weird day yesterday and I appreciated getting, to, like getting to see that movie, like really, uh, cheered me up. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Thank you.
thanks to Daniel Smith and Chris White for speaking with me. You can find the musician's work on Twitter and Facebook at Danielson's Ship, and the director is on Twitter at Chris White HQ. Electric Jesus is on Twitter at eJesusFilm, and the website is electricjesusfilm.com. The soundtrack is out now digitally from Joyful Noise Recordings and is out on vinyl June 7th. You can order it via joyfulnoiserecordings.com. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at frominspiredpod and can be found on Instagram at fromaninspiredby. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with musician and composer Andy Bean about his music for Craig McCracken's animated Netflix series Kid Cosmic. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>